Blog Talk Radio. Women 
and ensure their labor and human rights. Established in 1946, the CSW is the principal global international body exclusively dedicated to the promotion of gender equality and the empowerment of women. So this article goes on, but I think it's really important to remember that women are hard workers and they deserve the same pay and benefits that men get in the workplace. And we still haven't achieved that. And I think that's really sad. Well, McDonald uh, sues Seattle for the right to pay slave wages. Oh, how sweet is that, huh? Cites the 14th Amendment intended to protect freed slaves. McDonald's is suing Seattle to block $15 an hour minimum wage, and they're basing their case on the 14th Amendment, which provided equal rights to free slaves. <laughs> no wonder the McDonald's right to, The right voted. to get paid less? I guess. No, no wonder McDonald's was voted the most hated company in 2014. That's not it. That's a pig. I know. Now, here's a game where a new restaurant gets rid of tipping, pays every employee $15 an hour. Okay. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. I'll tell you where it is. Um, excuse me. It's taking a while to come up. Yeah. Will Street, William Street Common has been open for less than two weeks in Philadelphia. But owner Abram Cornack said it's already hitting its, its numbers, even with a total different a business model in most restaurants. I thought, why would they start with Philadelphia when they were talking about Seattle? The indoor beer garden, as he calls it, which serves up comfort food and beer and craft beer, at communal tables, pays all of its employees from the service to the dishwashers at least $15 an hour, uh, plus paid sick leave and health benefits. The customer experience is unique as well. Tips aren't mandatory, and all the prices for different beers are the same. So every drink costs $6, uh, $5 for the drink itself, plus a $20, 20% service charge. We wanted people to compare apples to apples, he said. And he instead, said Yeah, I just said that. No, instead of charging $6 and no tip, we wanted the customer to understand that the staff is being taken care of. The service charge uh, also doesn't go straight to the individual server. It goes into a pot that's used to make sure everyone is making that $15 wage, although management will make up the difference if, what they make is in revenue falls short. If there's money left over at the end of the pay period, employees divide it up based on a point system. As the, to me, this, that, I mean, it's, it's a big hutsy-dutsy deal, but they're still getting shafted. You know what I mean? It doesn't sound right to me. They're getting $15, but they're only getting $15 if they get No, they said, no, that isn't what they said. That isn't what they said. Every little word. No, Leo, you didn't understand what you read. They said the management would make up the difference if it didn't work out. Yeah, depending on the the workers' uh, bullshit. No, no, that's it. No, you didn't read it. It didn't sound right. If there's more, then they divide it up. You're being, you're being. It's just what they said. It didn't make that much sense. I'll read it again, okay? It did not sound as wonderful as it is. I didn't uh, say that it was. Was okay. It says the surgeon's charge also doesn't go straight to the individual server. It goes into a pot that used to make sure everyone is making that $15 wage. Well, why although, isn't everybody although, making that $15? Although ma- because that, that 20% service charge goes in there. Although management will make up the difference if what they make in revenue falls short. But why bother? I mean, it's like just pay them fifteen dollars an hour. That's you know how I mean? they are paying. I know, them but if 15. there's money left over, then at the, at the end of the pay period, employees divide it up based on a point system related to experience and other factors. We're pro- projecting based on our budgeting and depending on the employee between three to ten dollars an hour in addition to the bonus pool. From that bonus pool. On top of that, 5% of gross sales gets put in a different pot to pay for paid sick leave and health insurance for full-time employees, but any extra after that 
will be put toward whatever uses the committee of workers want. The decision to have such a unique business model came after he thought about the perils of tipping. And some people just tipped the same amount, but some people based it on how quickly the food was there, whether we were out of something, whether the server was there when we wanted them to be, or he pointed out, so much of that is out of the control of the individual server. So why would it, wouldn't it be fair for the service employee to be responsible for the poor decision of management? Researchers found that the tips vary more on looks and race than on actual service. It also adds stability to the job. Okay, but being in the restaurant bar business is a lot like being a gambler or, or a farmer. No, given that tips vary so much and owners often don't make up the difference, even if they don't bring wages up to a minimum wage, restaurant service have a poverty rate at nearly triple that of, the, of everyone else. His model essentially creates a guaranteed floor, but we're also capping the ceiling. That's because the tipping gets shared equally with all employees. We didn't think it was fair that in some cases you have dishwashers earning $10 an hour and the bartender earning $30 an hour, he said. And the hope is that these changes will benefit... Um, Customers. Yeah. Uh, and uh, where if you're wrong or it snows or you're losing money on that day, the goal is that to make up for those fixed costs by doing more business. We're making less money per person, but hopefully serving more people. And so far it's panned out in its first week. We've hit our numbers. We're right in line with our budget. What's more, it looks like we're going to be money after the, there's going to be, there's going to be money after the first week in the tip pool, even though we overstaffed for the opening. And William Street Common isn't the only one trying out new models uh, both end restaurants in New York and West Coast, as well as lower-end places in Pittsburgh and Kentucky, plus even cafes and bars have done away with tipping and deciding to pay higher wages. Well, that's good, but at the same time, when you start playing around with, with, with these things, you know, it's still not quite the same. You know, it looks, it looks, I, I don't know why people get paid so little in the, in the restaurant business. Because yeah. they said they got it in tips. That's they don't get it in tips. And that's, really that's the correction this business model is trying to make. Anyway, the Catholic Church work. claims that it can refuse to pay victims of sex abuse because of religious freedom. <laughs> Federal Appeals Court disagrees. Can you Thank imagine? God. That? Yeah. That is, the Catholic Church is so crazy. They're just trying to get away with anything. And that's amazing. The Catholic Archdiocese of Milwaukee sought to insulate $55 million of its funds from lawsuits brought by victims of priestly sex abuse. According to a letter penned by then-Archbishop of Milwaukee, Timothy Dolan, so it transferred those funds into a separate trust set up to care for the Archdiocese cemeteries and mausoleums. Once the sexual abuse of victims sought those funds in a bankruptcy proceeding. However, the archdiocese claimed that it had a religious liberty right not to use that money to compensate victims of abuse. <laughs> so a federal district judge <laughs> agreed with the archdiocese <coughs> excuse me, that it's a <coughs> excuse me, that its religious freedom includes its right not to compensate victims in twenty thirteen. A bipartisan panel of the United States Courts of Appeal for the Seventh Circuit reversed this decision on Monday. The Seventh Circuit noted the issue of whether the archdiocese actually made a fraudulent, preferential, or avoidable transfer is not before us. So it remains to be seen whether the abuse victims will be compensated out of the $55 million worth of funds. Nevertheless, the Seventh Circuit's decision means that the archdiocese will not be able to hide behind claims of religious liberty in order to avoid liability for the actions of its clergy. Or at least, <coughs> it means as much so long as it's not reversed on appeal. Yeah. Well, so who knows what's going to happen. Bit, but it's, it's the same old, same old, you know. Pay up. Pay up. Yeah. You molest a bunch of kids, you know, don't be hiding your money. Pay up. Huh. Uh, I don't know what to tell you, folks. Well, major government error 
just discovered that these 6.5 million social security numbers, right? Turns out <laughs> social security numbers for people aged 112 and over. Does that make sense? No. Yeah. They just found out that they've been paying uh, Social Security benefits uh, fraudulently, okay, of course, to people over 112 years old. These people have been dead forever. Who's collecting? There's all kinds of fraud going on. A Social Security Administrator Inspector General Audit has discovered an astonishing fact. There are 6.5 million active Social Security numbers in existence for people aged 112 or over. <laughs> yeah, Senator Tom Carver, Carper, uh, Delaware, uh, Democrat from Delaware, the ranking member of the Homeland Security and Government Affairs Committee, stated, it is simply unacceptable that our nation's database of Social Security numbers of supposedly living people, including, including includes more than 6.5 million people who are older than 112 years of age with a few thousand having birth dates from before the Civil War. Preventing agency errors by keeping track of who has died as a relatively simple problem that the government should pursue as a high priority. Imagine that. A lot of illegals have taken Yeah, they have. It says here the Inspector General audit was dated uh, March 4, 2015, and concluded that the SSA lacks necessary controls to annotate death information of number uh, holders who exceed maximum reasonable life expectancies. Some of the numbers were used to open fraudulent bank accounts, while thousands were used to fight illegal immigrants. Mm -hmm. According to the report, during calendar year 2008 through 2011, Social Security uh, Agency received uh, 4,024 e-verifying inquiries using the Social Security numbers of 3,873 number holders born before June 16, 1901. So tens of thousands of these numbers are currently being used to report wages to Social Security Administration and to the IRS. People are fraudulently but successfully applying for jobs and benefits with these numbers, making sure Social Security clean up uh, its death master file to prevent further errors and fraud is a good government reform we can all agree on. Isn't that amazing? I mean, six and a half million uh, 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 fraudulent, fraudulent numbers of people 112 years old and older. Collecting. Ah. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. Uh, huh. just, just frightening. Uh, frightening, frightening. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Here, here's a genius... Uh, Representative Don Young. He says, at a congressional hearing, Representative Don Young hints that wolves would be used could be used to control the homeless population. Oh my this God! Is from Washington Post. He's a representative from some idiot state. Okay, uh, Where do these people come from? And then, furthermore, how do they get elected to anything? Well, they do. It's you know the people that elect them are just as stupid as the people that uh, that put them in. It says here, um, yeah, wolves should uh, wolves from Alaska. Young wolves would solve homelessness, is what he said. Right. Alaskan Representative Don Young, famous for his salty tongue and brusque demeanor, suggested Thursday that if he let loose wolves in some congressional district, they wouldn't have a homeless problem anymore. Uh, listen to this. This is crap. It's about yeah. thirty. It's about uh, sixty seconds of what he said. Hopefully, it'll come up. Really? Yeah. Terrible. I'd like to take it at the Show him what he really was, huh? Yeah. yeah it's about there. Okay, the but anyway. strange comment was made during a halty five-minute exchange. Five-minute exchange with Interior Secretary Salary Jewell during a House Natural Resource Committee hearing on her agency's budget. He accused her and her department of making decisions without consulting the states they affect. Young, who supports taking gray wolves off the endangered species, endangered species list, mocked a letter 70, oh, there it is, 79 members of Congress sent, urging Jewel, I, I can't see it, um, 
to protect the gray wolf population. Yeah. Uh, in Alaska, for that, what it's worth, you can't hunt wolves. How many of you have got wolves in your district, he asked. None, not one. They haven't got a damn wolf in their whole district, Young continued. I'd like to introduce them to your district. If I introduced them in your district, you wouldn't have a homeless problem anymore. We've sought clarification to ensure we heard correctly. The spokesman for uh, Young said the analogy was purposefully hyperbolic to stress the point that these predators pose serious threats to wildlife management and their listing was damaging impact to local communities. Yeah. All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So let's hear him say it. Yeah, that's what I want to do here. Let's see if we can get it. He's from Alaska. Yeah. Rachel Maddow Show. If we can pick it up. It's taking too long to get it on there, and whether or not we can even get it is questionable. So, All right. So, but anyway, you get the gist. Reverend the, Doug Young, Don Young, rather. On the AFL-CIO blog, they announced the oh, winner. Oh, here's, here's another one. This oh, is can I one. just... Well, uh, from, from the same guy. Well, just a second. I was talking. From yeah. the AFL-CIO blog, they announced the winners and the losers of the week. Wow. The winners of Senators Fighting Fast Track Trade Authority includes Sherrod Brown, a Democrat from Ohio, Tammy Baldwin, a Democrat from Wisconsin, Elizabeth Warren, a Democrat from Mass. These are the best. Yes, and Bernie Sanders from Vermont for continuing to push back against against the destructive policy while median attention is directed elsewhere. The runner-up is Georgia Working Families after Governor Nathan Deal signed an executive order banning the box and removing criminal history inquiries from state job applications where the position being applied for wasn't a sensitive occupation. That's good. Losers. We already knew Governor Scott Walker was a loser, but he gets special recognition this week for not only comparing workers to terrorists, but doubling down on the comparison when pressed. He also flip-flopped on immigration this week. Runner-up, Fox News' Neil Cavuto, or Cavuto, while defending Walker, added his two cents that working families are only not un-American, but similar to the mafia. <laughs> oh, right. This is your Fox News contributors there. Not yeah, sweet. Lord, mafia. All right, so anyway. Just, just to, I, I was hoping to follow up uh, right after that other Doug Young thing, but here's uh, here's this one. Now you remember he's from Alaska, and it says Young rattles Wasilla High students with hurtful remarks about suicide. Oh, this is a, this guy's 81 years old. At, at, this is the same representative. That's where what's her name is from. That's Wasilla. yeah, yeah, uh, uh, um, Sarah Palin. Mm-hmm. At Wasilla High School assembly Tuesday morning. U.S. Representative Don Young didn't temper his notoriously abrasive personality for his young audience. Numerous witnesses say Young, 81, acted in a disrespectful and sometimes offensive manner to some students using profanity and started talking about bull sex uh, when uh, confronted with a question about same-sex marriage. This guy out of his mind. He really spent a lot of time at our school talking about, we spent a lot of time talking about how we treat each other. Oh, Asilla principal, Amy Spargo, said Tuesday afternoon, we just don't talk to people that way. More concerning, school officials said Young made what they called hurtful and insensitive statements about suicide just days after a Wasilla student took his own life. That encounter occurred after teacher Clara, uh, Clara, Carla. Carla Swick posed a question about Alaska's high student suicide and domestic violence rates and asked what Young's office is doing about it. Young started talking about suicide, uh, mentioning the role played by alcohol and depression, and several witnesses said the school didn't record the assembly. Uh, But then witnesses say, Young said suicide shows a lack of support from friends and family. The comments stunned students and staff still mourning the loss of a student who died Thursday. When I heard lack of support from family and I heard lack of support from friends, I felt the oxygen go out of the room, but I gasped as well, Spargo said. It just isn't true in these situations. It's just such a hurtful thing to say. 
Both Fargo and Swick say a, say a friend of the victim, moved by emotion, shouted at Young. He had friends. He had support. The kid said it's depression. You know, mental illness, Fargo recalled. As she remembers, Young replied, well, what? Well, what? Do you just go to the doctor and get diagnosed with suicide? Sure. At some point, yeah, at some point during the exchange, several school staffers say the congressman also used either the words whole or smartass. And Young office, uh, Young's office issued a yeah. statement about his conduct Tuesday evening in response to a request from Alaska Dispatch News. Congressman Young was very serious and forthright when discussing the issues of suicide in part because the high number of tragedies that affect Alaskan youth. He discussed what he believes are the leading causes of youth suicide in our state and shared some suggestions for helping family members and friends who are dealing with suicidal thoughts, spokesman Matt Shuckerow wrote in an email. In no way did Congressman Young mean to upset anyone with his well-intentioned message. In light of the tragic events affecting the Wasilla High School community, he should have taken a much more sensitive approach. The guy's a, a loser. Yeah, well, he says Young, the longest-serving Republican in the U.S. House of Representatives in Alaska, uh, lone voice there, came to Wasilla High as a guest in a visit arranged by his office and approved by the school. He wasn't there as a candidate. Democrat Forrest Dunbar is challenging Young. But as a congressman, Spargo said, U.S. Uh, Senator Mark Bigich uh, came to the school last year, and U.S. Senator uh, Lisa Murkowski has visited Wasilla Middle School. And about 120 English and, and government students gathered in the high school theater, along with numbers of staffers. And Young spoke for about 15 minutes, then took questions for 45 and uh, uh, students ask yeah. well thought out questions on topics that are in the news right now on the election ballot. He was very engaged in the students; they were very responsive to him. Yeah, yeah. But I, I just thought it was interesting because the guy's obviously he's kind of a schmo, you know. He just doesn't. doesn't, doesn't he has care. no manners. Well, he's eighty-one years old. He's probably been in the Senate for eighty years. He's not in the Senate. He's probably in the House of Representatives. I'm sorry. But uh, yeah. he ought to retire. Yeah, I think so. Ten people found not guilty in flood in flood wall street protests. Judge takes uh, takes their side. This was an interesting uh, thing that obviously we didn't hear about anywhere. Okay. No. Nope. Um, did anybody hear about flood wall street protests? No. Nope. Nope. Didn't hear it. No, nobody. I mean, we we kind of scour the news quite a bit and do this show, but. Yeah, we didn't we didn't hear about it. Maybe we should have something. All right. So this article looks like it maybe gets it taken down because I can't find it. Uh, I was just looking at it five minutes ago, or half an hour ago. Yeah, it's still buffering there. Yeah. Hang on one second. It's a good article. Just remember that black equality doesn't end in February. Black History Month is much more than just acknowledgement in a newspaper or a special program at your children's school. It's an opportunity to reflect how far black people in the United States have come in their struggle for justice and equal rights. While not forgetting the scores of men and women whose lives have been destroyed by our biased judicial system. The mass criminalization of millions of men and women, mostly people of color, all poor, of course, who are imprisoned for small infractions creates a group of second-class citizens who are unable to rebuild a life for themselves even after serving their time. There we go. In a victory for 10 flood Wall Street protesters and the general American public, a judge ruled against the New York Police Department claiming that it ordered to disperse violated uh, the First Amendment. Did this ruling set an important legal precedent in the um, uh, constitutional legitimacy of mass civil disobedience? Mm. And he said, you probably remember the polar bear getting arrested at Flood Wall Street protest in September, the day after the historic People's Climate March. Several thousand people took to the street in the financial district to identify the protest, wall, uh, um, protest against Wall Street's uh, central role in fuel climate destruction. 
At the end of the day, 102 people were arrested for sitting in the streets at the intersection of Broadway and Wall Street. Ten, ten of the arrestees subsequently decided to fight their charges in court. Now, the interesting thing is, I remember they, they showed the protests, mm-hmm. but they never showed any of the arrests, okay, mm-hmm. or never mentioned it, and they never followed up with it on, on any mainstream media, or even on Ultimate News. I didn't read any of it. And yesterday, these ten were found not guilty by New York City Criminal Court Judge Robert Mandelbaum, according to Flood Wall Street. Judge Mandelbaum ruled that the New York Police Department's order to disperse violated the First Amendment. In his ruling, the judge also found that by ordering protesters to leave the entire Wall Street area, police violated protesters' First Amendment right to carry their message directly to its intended recipients the Wall Street bankers who bankroll climate change. Defense attorney Jonathan Wallace successfully argued that the Constitution protects Americans' rights to express political speech within proximity to the target of the protest. In this case, the NYPD first prevented protesters from entering Wall Street before later ordering them to leave the area altogether. This method of policing proved to be unlawful. This is a victory in and of itself for the 10 individuals as well as the general American public and its right to protest. But the judge went even further by taking judicial notice that the climate change is happening is a serious problem, requires immediate action, and is caused by human activity, said Flood Wall Street. The importance of judicial notice is the judge accepted climate change and the need to do something about it as a fact without the necessity of any evidentiary support or proof at a trial, said Defense Attorney Martin Stoller. To the best of my knowledge, this is unprecedented and has significance for mutual litigation involving climate change. The ruling sets an important legal precedent in recognizing the constitutional legitimacy of mass civil disobedience actions protesting climate change, according to Flood Wall Street. The 10 defendants gave passionate testimony to the court affirming their actions were justified. I got arrested to protect my five-year-old son's future, said Susan Heitker, one of the defendants. The judge's judicial notice shows that climate justice movement is creating a broader shift in our society's desire to address climate change, and this gives me hope. Janine Roybal, a uh, disabled U.S. Army veteran, who was one of the defendants, said this is an important precedent not only for climate change demonstrators, but everyone who engages in protest activity. It's an important precedent, especially because of whom the protest was directed toward. Um, Wall Street companies fund and profit off disasters for all of us, and finance capitalism won't be able to deal with the social fallout of climate change. We urgently need to act to save our planet in the future's uh, said Jason Wolfgen, one of the defendants. Now, uh, you know, uh, vote, voting rights, uh, no. you know, you know what makes me happy, though, I have to say, is that, you know, uh, regardless of the cause, you know, like this is a climate change and so on thing, but regardless of the cause, I'm grateful that these, these ten people stood up, you know, mm-hmm. And fought this because it does help. It helps everybody when they when something like that, you know. It's a good ruling. Yeah, it was a good ruling, and uh, grateful that they did this. So anyway, let's move on, and we're going to move on. How our trade policies kills jobs. Want to hear about that? Uh-huh. I think that's interesting. Okay, um, Nation of Change says uh, uh, pretty progressive. Um, how our trade policies kill jobs. People need to understand the trade deficit and harm it does to approximately 99.9% of us. U.S. trade is out of balance, and we need to demand that our politicians do something to fix it. Trade is great. We all trade. A lot of us trade labor for money. That buys other things. A farmer trades corn for money, and that buys other things, and so on. No one is against trade. But is anything called trade always good for all involved? Imagine you're a farmer and you make a deal to trade corn and wheat to get money for a new tractor. So the farmer orders a new tractor, but the trade partner never buys any corn or wheat. 
After a while, the, part, the trade partner shows up with a big bill saying the farmer owes money for the tractor. And then the farmer finds out that the trade partner plans to use the proceeds from the sale of the tractor to grow their own corn. In modern terms, we would say the farmer was running a trade deficit. How much damage do you think that trade deficit is doing to that farmer? And, excuse me, I'm going to see. <coughs> Pardon me. And the farmer's ability to make a living in the future. How long do you think that farmer would let that trade agreement continue? The U.S. is currently running a net trade deficit of over $500 billion each year with our trade partners. We have been running trade deficits every year since the late 70s. We buy from them, but they don't re uh, reciprocate and buy from us, so the trade is out of balance, way out of balance. These other countries use the proceeds from our purchases to set up their own industry, so they don't have to buy from us in the future. We let this happen so as our industries move away, we will have no choice but to import. In many cases, our own so-called American corporations are voluntarily deindustrializing and sending the factories and equipment to trading partners elsewhere. The damage. When a country runs a trade deficit, it means that the demand for goods and services created by that country's economy is being exported, and people are being hired in other countries instead of that country. It means that the growth of that country's economy and numbers of jobs available is lower than it would be. Last week's Wall Street Journal report, U.S. trade gap narrows in January. For example, called our trade deficit a drag on overall growth. They uh, qualified how much reporting that uh, net exports, the difference between exports and imports, subtracted 1.15 percentage points from fourth quarter gross domestic product. What the hell a difference? Uh, we, you know, that I hate it when they when they give you these 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 numbnuts uh, uh, kinds of uh, reports. I mean, they don't tell you anything. Okay, uh, Robert Scott, the Economic Policy Institute, writes: Rising trade deficits are to blame for more than 5.7 million U.S. manufacturing jobs, nearly a third of the manufacturing employment loss since April 1998. Yeah, we're we're sending all our jobs overseas. I mean, mm -hmm. it's all going out the door, you know, and we 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 can't get it back. And uh, this is a terribly long article too, but I suggest that if you want to, you, it might be worth your while to to read it. Um, and, so you understand uh, what the of, trade deficit yeah, nation needs. Of change. Uh, just check out this: how our trade policies kill jobs. Um, but you know, worth 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 checking it out. How about this, folks? We have a winner. Scott Walker is the worst governor in America. Really? With a list of horrible governors across, across the country, including Sam Brownback of Kansas, Chris Christie of New Jersey, Nikki Haley of South Carolina, Bobby Jindal of Louisiana, John Kasich of Ohio, Paul Lepage of Maine, Rick Snyder of Michigan, and Rick Scott of Florida, and up-and-comers like Asa Hutchinson of Arkansas and Bruce Rahner of Illinois, it's hard to imagine how Scott Walker from Wisconsin could rise to the top of the heap. And it's a pretty big heap. But that's just what he's done with his latest comments, comparing working families to terrorists in the Islamic State, also known as ISIS. And knowing how Republican primary voters think, Walker probably just shot to the top of the party's presidential contender list, too. Pretty sad, huh? Isn't it? It's frightening to think uh, how these people think, you know. The unions are ruining us. Oh, oh, oh. You know, and these people are ruined as it is. Listen, uh, one thing that really bothered me when I read this article, and I, you know, um, I know that our unions and, uh, you know, police unions are part of ASPE and AFL-CIO and so on. But this is kind of a problem, all right? Cops across the country are being disciplined, not for brutality, but for not writing enough tickets. Well, isn't that what was happening down there in... Um, Ferguson. Ferguson. Probably. Well, that court, Yeah. that, that traffic court and uh, local court, they were fining people. Huge fines. Yeah, they were well, for for yeah, that that was what they were doing, and then they the judge got fired, and the 
town guy got fired and the chief got fired and everybody. But you wonder fired. how many, where that happens. How many places uh, it happens that happens? all over. It happens here in Connecticut. It happens everywhere, every state. This is what we got. What I want to just mention. It says as more and more officers across the country expose quota systems within their departments, the mission of American police officers is becoming quite clear. He's a revenue generator. As there is no money in solving murders or preventing rapes, police departments in America have focused their duties on traffic citations and the drug war. Both of these venues are highly profitable for departments. City and state governments have become so addicted to this revenue stream that we are now seeing full-on military raids on people in fruitless attempts to find drugs and money. Along with the drug raids, we are seeing people, uh, police officers forced to collect a certain amount of revenue through traffic enforcement or, or risk losing their jobs. You know, what if you don't want to do that and you don't believe well, it? What, well, what if, what, if they're, what if they're not for real? You know, what if, you know, you just, you know. He doesn't want to write a ticket if it's. If it's not real, if, if they didn't if they do it, but people do it. You know, they're, they're out there writing them. Over the four, weekend, over the weekend, four more state troopers from Tennessee exposed their department for uh, enforcing a quota system. There would be many more, according to the troopers, but their fellow cops were afraid to speak up for fear of retaliation. Mm-hmm. Last week, six cops in Whittier, California, filed a lawsuit against the city after they were retaliated against for refusing to act as revenue collectors by following ticket and arrest quotas. Last month, a former uh, Bella Fontaine neighbor's cop, a 10-year veteran of the force, Officer Joe St. Clair, was ordered to carry out a policy that he says required cops to issue a certain number of traffic tickets and even traffic arrests. If the cop failed to do it, he could be fired. Yeah, I mean, mean, tell me about some pressure. I believe the chief can... The chief put an illegal mandate on his officers. I think it's unfair to the community. Also, in November of last year, the Free Thought Project reported that the story of police in Normal, Illinois, um, several cops from the Normal uh, Police Department saw the city claiming... Sued the city. I'm sorry, yes, sued the city, claiming that the department police uh, police policy forced them to make arrests without probable cause. These are just a few of the many revenue collection schemes implemented in this land of the free. And only when these department heads are caught in the act of implementing quotas do they deny that it, uh, <coughs> quotas, do they deny their existence. Um, you want to read the rest of it? The cops admitted on camera that he routinely breaks federal and state law. He wasn't blowing the whistle either. He was proposing a grant allocation to the Board of Commissioners and using the fact that he enforces quota as a sales pitch. Well, he wasn't too bright. When local (laughs) news departments caught wind of our story, they interviewed the sheriff, who predictably denied the existence of quotas and assured the public that the deputy in the video had faced proper disciplinary action. However, if that deputy wasn't immediately fired and arrested for breaking the law, then there was nothing proper about it. The skewed reality here is that you can mandate that offices enforce illegal ticket quotas and nothing happens to you. Only when offices refuse to take part in these illegal quota systems do they become the ones who face any discipline. In America, police can murder unarmed people while being videotaped and face little to no consequences. However, if they point out corruption, Within the departments, they not only face being fired, but their lives are threatened too. Remember that movie Scorpio? Yeah. Remember Scorpio? Mandating that officers issue citations and make arrests is nothing close to protecting and serving. In fact, it's quite the opposite. Requiring a minimum number of citations forces conflict and potentially hostile interactions. It truly forces police officers to create criminals out of otherwise innocent people in order to generate revenue, or they face losing their jobs. Despite police departments across the country denying the existence of the quota system, the Free Thought Project continues to expose them. If you are a police officer and no one who wants to expose department corruption, send us an email at... at Contact at thefreethoughtproject.com. Shine the light on the darkness is the only way to prevent this corrupt Levinthian from reaching unstoppable proportions. 
Yeah, what a horrible position to be put in. Yeah. I mean, gee. And, and the problem You're trying to do your job, but then if you if you don't do what they say, you lose your job, and there aren't that many jobs out there, and you never the get problem. another job as a policeman. No, but the problem here is that these guys are unionized. This is They have strong unions. Where the hell are the unions in this? You know? you got to ask yourself. Maybe where, they're afraid where, to say anything. Well, why should they be afraid to say anything? You know? Well, some some people came forward and have said stuff. I know, but they got they got uh, threatened and fired and all kinds of stuff, you know. So it's like I don't know. Now, here's another one that's interesting. U.S. court says it's okay to, for police departments to refuse to hire someone uh, who is too smart. Is that interesting. There was always a there was always a, 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 there was a statement out many years ago. That they re- that your average cop could not be uh, could not have over a hundred IQ, all right, mm. and uh, they wouldn't hire him, all right. There was a prereq. They 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 were if they were too smart. They wouldn't enforce orders. I never heard anything. Yeah, that that was out many years ago, and uh, uh, it was part of the prerequisite of all that. Yeah. Well, it's true. I mean, you don't want to read this? No. You're afraid of cops. Okay. No, I just don't. I was afraid of cops. That's what you are. Why don't you just say it? Why don't you just say it, Lila? All right? I mean, ever I, wonder why cops yell, quit resisting, as they beat a person who's not resisting? Or why they shoot people who pose no threat? Well, maybe the answer is right in front of us. Okay? Well, we will we will save our to save ourselves here from arrest and move on. But, uh, you know, there is an issue there. The NSA has taken over the Internet backbone. We're suing to get it back. You want to read that one? Yeah, go ahead. Put it on. Okay. Oh, you know what I just saw today? It's just really frightening. You will see this. I just posted it. It shows Blumenthal with uh, with McCain. He was in Connecticut. McCain. Yeah, but it shows them handing a citation thing to the to the head of uh, ISIL in Libya. Isn't that amazing? What is Senator John McCain and Senator Lindsey Graham doing hanging out with the head of ISIS in Libya? Yeah. McCain stands with ISIS. Yeah, right that. Yeah. When was that? Recently, I guess. I was really surprised to see that. He was he was in uh, Connecticut last week. Hmm. So it's from the wrong province. It says here, McCain stands with ISIS. Senator John McCain has a knack for getting his picture taken with the strangest characters. Though his support for U.S. interventionism is steadfast, does he even know what he is getting himself into when he travels overseas? In the above photograph, uh, we see Senator McCain, along with his neocon sidekick, Senator Lindsey Graham, cavorting with his good friend, um, I can't pronounce the name, Abdul Hakim Al-Hadi, when McCain was cheerleading for the U.S. attack on Libya, Al-Hadi was among those he promoted as offering the promise of a democratic Libyan future. But Al-Hadi was, at the time, the founder of the Libyan Don, which was a group of Islamic militia forces tied to al-Qaeda in Libya. Did Senator McCain overlook his Libyan friend's tie with al-Qaeda and his zeal to get Gaddafi overthrown, or did he simply not know about it? But what? But then, not even half of it. But that's not even half yeah. of it. We now learn that Senator McCain's friend, Bahadi, has been promoted from al-Qaeda operative to his current position as the head of ISIS in <laughs> Libya. Last year alone, McCain, distu- McCain distinguished himself by being photographed with both Islamic extremists in Syria and neo-Nazis in the Ukraine. His hat trick should really call into question his claimed expertise in foreign policy <laughs> matters. So is it just the incompetence of the center, senator or his staffers that keeps leading him to such embarrassing photo ops? Perhaps the senator is just that easy to hoodwink with a few well-rehearsed lies about love of democracy, apple pie, tolerance, and puppy dogs. Even the most 
charitable inter interpretation of McCain's habitual photograph would bolster the non-interventionist argument if even the experts like John McCain can be so easily fooled into supporting generally bad actors, does that not argue most strongly that picking and choosing sides in overseas conflict is simply an exercise in futility? To date, McCain has not explained his friendship with Bahati. Um, will any among the CPS political talk show hosts in our free and diverse mainstream media have the temerity to question him about the bad crowd he eventually, he habitually finds himself admits? And, but look at this guy. Yeah, you have Blumenthal there. Blumenthal. Okay, our illustrious um, senator. senator and McCain and uh, Graham, all right, all giving him a little... Some kind of plaque. A little plaque, you know. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Yeah. McCain stands with ISIS. He's just an idiot, McCain. Okay. I know. I, I, I know. I, I know. And... McCain says, I am ashamed of America. Well, then move. Yeah. McCain, from his usual too, clerks... Too good for him, though. He's... Uh, ...south the political uh, morning shows, was in a foul mood this week, while the German and French leaders continue to work for a political solution to the ongoing nightmare in Ukraine. McCain cannot believe that the U.S. is not already at war in the country. <laughs> it is a disgrace to the United States, said McCain, that the president... Uh, Obama has not already started shipping lethal weapons to the government in Kiev so they can finish off the independence-seeking regions in East Ukraine. You know, the, the guy, is, the guy is, is, is such a bonehead. Can you imagine if he was president? If he would have been... If he would he's have been ashamed president. of America. I'm ashamed of him. I know. That, he's, he, uh, that he says all these stupid things and he beats the war drums and all he cares about <laughs> is hurting and killing yeah. people and destroying the world. I mean, yeah. basically, that's what he wants to do, and poison it with nuclear weapons it's and everything just, else. It's just horrendous. I mean, it's just horrendous. It's uh, amazing that a person as ignorant as he is has maintained the power that he has. I don't know how he I, stays. I don't know how he does it. I honestly don't. He must have all the goods on a lot of people, is all I can say. Yeah, it's un unbelievable. But, look, uh, well, do you want to talk? You want to mention this? This is this is very interesting. What they're doing, instead, what the companies are doing, or what the FDA has agreed to do, is allow uh, instead of companies putting uh, labeling uh, genetically modified foods and vegetables and so on, now that they're 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 allowing the, the codes, okay, to be to be uh, to be put on them. So it says U.S. Secretary of Agriculture Tom Vizak. Um, once again, is suggesting barcodes to identify food that contains GMO as an alternative to GMO labeling. What do you think of that? I'm not sure what he means. Oh, so I don't know what those barcodes mean. Nobody so knows what they mean, help me. so it doesn't help. But this scheme is discriminatory and still allows companies to hide ingredients and take action. Okay, and uh, you know, consumers want GMO labels, not barcodes. Absolutely. And, yeah, I mean it's just ridiculous. Totally. And uh, this is an interesting one here, too. Um, on April 15th, of the, you know, people are coming together across the country to call for fair pay so we can pay our rent and support our families. Learn more about the movement and what you can do. Fight for fightfor15.org, for right? And uh, I'm going to go to that. Fight for 15, okay? And uh, we're standing together on the April 15th to scream enough. All of us, fast food cashiers and cooks, home care and child care providers, college and university faculty, retail employees, um, airport workers, and anyone else struggling to get by regardless of industry or location. Together, we're turning the tide in favor of working people and our families, and, we're, and we'll need everyone's help, including yours, to make this a reality. Sign the petition to let us know you're standing with us on April 15th and be one of the millions demanding the fair pay, respect, and future we deserve. 
and you, you can get to that position, petition, petition but go to Fight for 15, okay, and uh, you, you'll, you'll come to that front page. So go to that, folks. So help these people out. And uh, what do you think? Look, look at this. Look at this. What they found. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Uh, leave leave uh, an interesting note. Uh, I don't know. I should probably continue with some kind of. Um, Nine Eleven fact. For all of you 9-11ers out there, uh, proof that 9-11 Pentagon hit was by a cruise missile in the U.S. military arsenal. What do you think of that, folks? This is kind of from Reality Watch. And uh, they have pictures. They actually have a show. They actually show pictures. See that? Yeah. Uh, of a missile. I guess that's what it is. Yeah, that's what right they're there. saying. That was the missile that hit. Boom, right there. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. If you want to see that, tell the folks where they Yeah, can. I was just going to say, um, you, can, you can actually see this video. If you go to uh, Reality, Reality Watch. Watch. Yeah, Reality Watch. Reality's Watch. Reality's Watch, I'm sorry. Yeah, check that out. Doesn't say if it's .com or not. Yeah, it is. Realitieswatch.com. Okay, and you'll see they have a little video of the of the event. of the event of the actual missile hitting the Pentagon, right, which was released, and um, they show they show the, what the missile looks like, and they show the hole in the wall, and they show what happened. Because the very same people who are responsible for 9-11 terror attacks continue to conduct false flag operations across the planet, starting new wars and building armed conflicts to one peaceful to one's peaceful land. Shadow government controlling the USA has used the pretext of 9-11 to wage wars wherever they are in competition for resources, especially oil and gas reserves, oil and gas conduits, uh, and oil refineries and seaports. The same elected criminal cabal routinely uses the overwhelmingly overwhelming U.S. military capability to shock and awe any defenseless nation, which presents an attractive geopolitical advantage. And likewise, they invade countries at will, they disobey their orders, or attempt to go their own way. And how are the same people who pulled off the 9-11 inside jobs still in power? They're still being paid by the U.S. taxpayers collecting government pensions, or covered by state-run health insurance programs. <laughs> All of the Bush administration that didn't go to jail. Yeah. Who was killed in the 9-11 attack on the Pentagon and why? Uh, isn't it time to seriously investigate 9-11? Um, as well as thousands of office workers who died in the Twin Towers. It's yeah. terrible. Clinton then 
indirectly fired seven employees from the U.S. travel office and replaced them with associates from Arkansas. Right. Water, white water scandal. Hillary and her husband were partners in a shady real estate development firm called Whitewater Development Corp. in Arkansas. Accusations of impropriety against the Clintons and others soon sur- surfaced. Vince Foster mystery. Questions cloud the suicide of Vince Foster, former colleague, friend, and White House aide of Hillary's. The right connections to Travelgate and the Whitewater scandals. Filegate scandal. Craig Livingstone, director of the White House Office of Personal Security, improperly assessed access FBI files on seven on several hundred individuals. Mrs. Clinton called it a completely honest bureaucratic snafu. Uh, yeah, right. Cattle futures miracle. Hillary's first, com- uh, first commodity trade was in cattle futures, where she ordered 10 future contracts, which normally cost $12,000, with only $1,000 in her account. This turned into $6,300 by the next morning, and after 10 months, totaled $100,000 with trading help from James Blair. Okay. Blair, who at the time had outside counsel to Tyson Foods, uh, says he was advising Clinton, about friend, uh, Clinton out of friendship, not to seek political gain. Yeah, right. right. Yeah, but anyway. Uh, Lutergate. Luter- especially Hillary started to ship White House furniture to their personal home in Chappaqua, New York. Oh, okay. The Clintons claimed they were do- they were donated, but at only some but at only some were proven to be donated and meant to stay in the White House. After contacting the manufacturers, the Clintons returned some of the furniture after pressure was put on them to do so. What greedy pigs! GOP lawmakers and others criticized Hillary Rodden Clinton in particular for accepting many presidents just presents just yeah. before she joined the Senate and became covered by strict ethics rules that prohibited her accepting gifts worth more than $50. Drug dealer donor scandal. <laughs> uh, drug dealer, convicted drug trafficker Jorge Cabrera apparently made such a big donation to the Clinton's campaign that he was invited to the White House without Secret Service presence. Because they would have had to have arrested him. Uh, Ponzi scheme and political favor scandal. Norman Young Yun. Hosu was convicted was a convicted pyramid investment promoter and major Democratic donor. He contributed an undisclosed amount to Hillary Clinton's 2008 campaign. He was sentenced to more than 24 years in prison. He had to give that back, I think. In 2009, by a judge who accused him of funding his fraud by manipulating the political process in a way that strikes at the very core of our democracy. Benghazi. Yeah. And there's a video yeah. on that. Yeah. Uh, no, that was with a 10. Yeah. Benghazi, the Ponzi scheme and political favor, drug dealer donor scandal, looter gate, cattle futures miracle, file gate, Vince Foster, Whitewater scandal, travel gate scandal, and... And um, those are the ones. Those are the ones you know about. How about the ones they didn't uncover yet? But you know, you know what? It was funny, uh, at the end of our show, but it was funny that Rush Limbaugh today. Yeah. He was talking about about this, and he said that uh, you know everybody forgets all of her all of her scandals. Yeah. Okay. But he also said that they the, that the press does not like her and does not want her hmm. to be president. They don't want her to go back to. They don't. He said something about they told him they didn't want to go back to the nineties. Right. Oh. Uh, so that was that was an interesting. What thing. does that mean exactly? Well, she her whole her whole policies, all of her all of her personality, everything is essentially the nineties, you know, and, and all the stuff she's pulling is the same as they pulled in the nineties. Yeah. Uh, uh, I think she's unacceptable. She's too old. I think she is. I really think she, she thinks old. Somebody just sent me on Facebook today this. Hillary screaming in the microphone. I did not have textual relations with that server. <laughs> <laughs> do, you, do you know? You know what her, her crazy excuse was for for having those two? She didn't she want to carry two phones. She, she didn't want to carry two phones. Okay, and that that's so stupid because nobody has to carry two phones today. I mean, you can you can, you can have, have, uh, you can have ten, a, ten email accounts. 
and, uh, you, and access to it on the same computer, you know. This is totally ridiculous. But anyway, we thank everybody who joined us tonight, and we say good night. And good night, folks. Bye-bye.